Welcome back to the Autoblog Podcast. I'm Greg Migliori. We've got a great show for you this week. Happy New Year. This is our first episode of 2024. That's kind of fun to say. We're going to break down the car, truck, and SUV of the year. Uh, winners. Talk about some news about EV credits. Uh, the General Motors is doing to sort of offset the, the federal tax uh, credit, if you will, going away on some of their vehicles. We've been driving some EVs, the Toyota Prius Prime and the Mercedes AMG GLS. We will spend your money. It's a good one. With that, let's bring in senior editor for all things electric, John Snyder. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. It's, a, it's an exciting time of year, especially uh, here in Ann Arbor. That's right. You're repping your Michigan Wolverines wearing oh, a yeah. Big Ten Champ shirt. Uh, by the time some of you guys are listening to this, uh, maybe you'll know the outcome of Monday's game. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully my heart can hold out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big one. I, I watched the Rose Bowl last week and it was it was pretty exciting. I it was. must say, as a Michigan State Spartan, it was still pretty exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely um, had a blood pressure spike, <laughs> especially as we went into overtime. So That was pretty wild. That was pretty wild. But the... One play that really stood out was when that kick returner like dropped the ball at the one yard oh. line. Like, holy oh, cow, man! <laughs> it was like that was yeah, that was bad. I was I was actually at the game, the the famous game where, um, you know, we lost uh to uh the Spartans in like oh, yes. the last second, um, due to like you know a bad, you know, I think it was a bad snap or a fumble and trouble uh, with the snap. Gosh, yeah. It was um, traumatic. Um, I can see why. I was funny story about that real quick. We'll throw this totally off the rails. We were watching that like streaming and this, that game was like nine years ago at this point and streaming yeah. wasn't as good as it is now. So it was a delay. Mm. So everybody's watching <laughs> the game and then all of a sudden everybody's phones blew up and we're like, what happened? Cause there was no chance state was going to win that game. Yeah. It was like, there was no time left. And Michigan was punting just to like basically end the game, run off the clock. And they're like, wait, what happened? And then it happened. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So, yeah. yeah this, this almost felt like it was going to be a replay of that. But thankfully, luck was in our favor. There you go. There you go. Not so much for the Detroit Lions this weekend. Last I weekend, if anybody that, yeah. saw that game, <laughs> listeners out there, I'm not quite sure what the ref was thinking out of that play. Um, Trouble with the reporting, I guess the check-in yeah. guy. That was yeah, that was rough. I was watching the uh, all the aftermath of that. Oh pretty, my gosh, pretty wild. We've got we've got the billboards up in Detroit. Yeah, that's right, that's right. The side Decker reported. Decker reported. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to the game on Sunday, so I'm uh, pretty excited. Uh, it's not too much to play for, but it's um, it's it's a Lions game. I think I'm going to take Andy and we'll have some fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Maybe it's a good reason to spend some money. He already has plenty of Michigan gear, so maybe he needs to get like a lion shirt or something too. So yeah, definitely. This is here for it. I suppose we should probably talk some cars, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sports and cars. I think we're ticking a few of the boxes here though. Um well maybe we should talk some beers at the end too. Mm-hmm. Um all right. So um let's talk about car of the year awards. This is the um, you know, it's called NACTOY, which is the acronym that, you know, a lot of people in the industry follow these pretty closely. Um, you know, there's other awards like Motor Trend, the Autoblog Tech of the Year, a lot of different awards out there. Uh, but these really, you know, 
they kind of almost stand apart because it's like a jury of 50 different writers and editors across North America. So you get like three countries, pretty good encapsulation of the market uh, and a lot of different perspectives as opposed to say, you know, any one specific publication like, you know, some of the car magazines do. So mm-hmm. that's a little overview. Uh, I happen to be a juror. So I always kind of like to talk about my ballot. Um, and I think it's also to go back to sports, it's actually kind of useful. We talked football. I like, I'm a pretty big college football fan. And if you look at like the polling, the, like the, I forget what they call it for the playoff. There's like people like they determine who gets in the playoff and who doesn't. So I kind of look at this a little bit too, you know, it's sort of like the Oscars, you know, it's, it's, it is subjective in some ways. So it's fun that it creates debate. And I think that's good for the industry and also the awards. So uh, in case you haven't seen it, the, uh, the winners this year, and these are on the site. Um, Joel Stocksdale, our news editor, wrote this up. Car of the year was the Toyota Prius slash Prius Prime. Truck of the year was the Ford Super Duty. And the utility vehicle of the year was the EV9. So <clears throat> uh, I think there were maybe at least one surprise in there. Um, two of the categories were pretty close. Um, so there's that. Uh, a very good field across the board, though. I'll say that. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? You know, as somebody who's just kind of looking at it, what what do you think? Um, well, I haven't driven the EV9 yet. I've spent some time with it. Uh, that one seems um, that one seems to make sense to me. Uh, I'm, I'm going actually going to drive it in a couple weeks here. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a a great vehicle if it drives as well as any of the other uh hyundai kia evs um and then it's just it's just loaded with with amazing content too um that one makes sense uh prius i I, will we'll get to this uh later but i just spent some time in in the new prius and um yeah uh really improved um that one doesn't surprise me either the Super Duty surprised me a little bit just because of what what it was up against. Um, you know, the Silverado the Silverado EV um, is is a pretty impressive truck, and um, you know, so is the Colorado. So it was, uh, uh, yeah, a little, little interesting to see a, a Super Duty um, win over over more um, you know conventional sized. Uh, pickups but um i mean you can't it's a good truck <laughs> it's i mean uh, the f series is is um you know the best-selling like vehicle <laughs> in the u.s so it's like 78 i think right 77 78 79 somewhere in there yeah so like uh i don't know if if we're voting with uh consumer dollars it makes sense um but yeah nothing nothing too surprising there um i think the um you know that that was the surprise to me i mean i guess you want to hear how i voted maybe that yes absolutely uh (laughs) i so i went with the easiest one for me by far was in the utility segment uh that was the ev9 i it's the voting system without giving away too much is somewhat similar to how we vote for like auto shows you get so many points you can only give like you have to spread them out a little bit, uh, but obviously strategically you would give the most points 
to the vehicle you want to win. That's just kind of how it works. Sort of like the Cy Young voting in baseball or MVP. Uh -huh. uh, but anyways, I gave most of my points in the Ute category EV9. I drove that thing. It was about a month ago. I got out of the, the vehicle, went inside and just literally told my wife, I was like, this is the utility vehicle leader. This thing's awesome. It's to me, it was so good. It was a very good three row SUV. It, it's a good electric vehicle. Um, and I mean, it, it does a lot of things like the design and the technology very well too. Uh, I think it ticks all the boxes. You know, I think there's vehicles that we rate very highly or, you know, even in like the context of like for awards where it's like, there's some compromises or you're like, well, it gets more points because of how it looks, or it gets, maybe you want to give it more points because it's an EV or maybe you don't. But to me, this was just such a grand slam. I mean, it, it had 320 points, which was the most points of obviously anything in the category, but was significantly ahead of the other two. And it was also the most points by far of any of the other vehicles. So it like sort of outperformed the other two, like the Super Duty and the Prius uh, relative to their competitors. So to be total slam dunk, I can't wait to spend more time in it. Um, I really liked it. I think you're going to probably like it, but I don't want to jaundice you as you head into it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, can't imagine not liking it the, the every you know hyundai kia ev i've driven so far has been rock solid you know just fantastic to drive um and like i said i've spent some time with it stationary um you know playing with with a lot of its features and it's just got a lot going for it you know it's um interesting design lots of uh unique materials lots of recycled and eco materials which is really cool um yeah super comfortable like the the seating layout is really good and you can get those you know reclining seats for the second row as well um clever storage um you know there's that little bin that pulls out like a drawer for for the second row out of, out of the uh, rear of the center console mm -hmm. um just lots of really clever stuff yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's very clever. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine um, disliking it yeah. unless, unless uh, you know, if, unless the it just the three row format just doesn't translate, you know, driving down the road as an EV. But I, I can't imagine that. I imagine it's, it's perfectly fine. So. Yeah, I mean the the Hyundai Kona, Kona EV, and the Genesis Genesis electrified GV70 are perfectly nice vehicles, I think. But EV9 just not only was it very good, it to me it advanced electric vehicles and three row vehicles. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's I believe it's the first mainstream electrified three row. So yeah, I mean that's yeah we've got that's very significant. Yeah, we've got the Rivian R1S, we've got the Mercedes. Uh, EQE, uh, yeah, G that's right. The, the GLS EQE, and then uh, the the Tesla Model X. Yeah, um, that's that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, and none of them are is accessible to get as just like a Kia. You know, it's yeah. a fifty state vehicle. So yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so I'll run through the other two kind of somewhat quick here. Super Duty for me was the surprise for the truck. I candidly, I voted for the Silverado EV, uh -huh. if you will. Um, I gave it most of my points. I thought, yes, you know, the Lightning won easily the year before. I just yeah. kind of, frankly, 
use that same lens to say, hey, it's an electric full-size pickup truck that looks kind of cool, uh, has mm -hmm. a little bit of different design. Um, that's just kind of where I landed. And uh, Silverado actually finished third. Um, a little bit surprised there. Yeah. Um, but it was very close. The Super Duty won. But again, it was close with the Colorado and the Silverado. So, yeah, yeah a little bit of a surprise there, but um, it's a fourth straight win for Ford. Silverado is great to drive, too. I I, I drove that, uh, the work truck, um, really, really great to drive and like just tons of range. It definitely like feels heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, but it, you know, uh, makes up for it, definitely. Like... Um, what, like 400 miles of range um, can still you know tow 10,000 pounds um, comfortable to drive not not a lot of like crazy it feels very normal not a lot of weird tech inside um, feels very familiar um, inside and uh, yeah just drives drives really well um, I, I could have seen myself voting for that sure and then in the car category this was actually to me the hardest one um i voted for um let's see i voted for the ionic 6 i guess i ended up going uh electrics across the board that wasn't <laughs> totally intentional but yeah um and then the prius prime i th this is actually one where um i gave the prius some pretty good points too because i thought both were very worthy i think the you know, the prime gives you 30 miles of range ish somewhere in there. And then the Prius itself is pretty good. It's a good value. So I was pretty torn. And the Accord was the third one. Very, very good car too. I just, I thought it was more like a good Accord. Whereas each of these vehicles that finished in the top two did something different, you know, that really, uh, you know, advanced what the car means, advanced what you know, frankly, the segment means. So um, I really like the Attic 6. I drove it, um, um, this is about two months ago at this point. Beautiful car, interesting interior, really liked it. Also really liked the Prius. I actually drove them almost back to back as I think about it. But yeah, no, I, like I said, I, no quibble with any of these, but this one was definitely a category I was kind of torn on. Uh, I almost wonder if, We'll get to this in a minute because I had some infrastructure challenges uh, <laughs> with my electric cars over the holiday break. Uh, I wonder if that might have colored my thinking and maybe I might have given a few more points to the, the Prius just because mm -hmm. like hybrids are very, very useful right now. Uh, but either way, I stand by my vote. I thought the Ionic 6 is a beautiful, very interesting EV, but I also think the Prius is a very worthy winner, very deserving. So Yeah. Yeah, I would have split my votes among those two uh, fairly equally, probably. Um, the Prius just makes more sense for for more people, I think. Um, but the I was on the first drive for the Ionic Six, and I was thoroughly impressed with it. You know, um, you can get up to like what, like three hundred sixty-one miles of range mm -hmm. um, in a in a car that feels really good to drive. Um, you know, the, I, I loved the Ionic 5. Then getting into the Ionic 6, it's um, uh, the suspension's a little more sporty. It just it feels good. Um, and uh, even the, you know, base 
trim feels like you're not missing out on much. You know, still still a good amount of, of content in there. Um, comfortable, really nice design. Um, you know, some some cheaper materials, but the, they're done in such a way, you know, with, with textures and just the overall design that it doesn't feel cheap, um, even in the base trim. So, um, yeah, I really, I really like that. That that's that has made some of our like here's spend some money on whatever lists, and that's made a couple of my couple of my picks for those lists that we've done um but the but the prius is just so solid and you know so accessible <laughs> and approachable too so um and we'll get more into into that later but um but yeah that that would have been that would have been a tough call between those two i haven't i haven't driven the new accord yet so um so i don't i don't know um, how i would have voted with that but the the Prius and, and, and Ionic six are both, both worthy for sure. All right. So check out the, the story, uh, again, it's on our site. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, if you go over to the NAC toy website, there's like voting totals and like some other like juror comments, things like that. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's move on to some other news hits. Uh, we'll move through these kind of quickly. GM said this week it's offering incentives of like $7,500 on vehicles uh, that no longer get the government tax credit. So that's a big thing as far as like, you know, car companies would almost bake that into their marketing. Like, hey, here's the price. And then you also get $7,500 on your taxes from Uncle Sam. And, you know, some of those credits expired because it's somewhat of a complicated setup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not super easy to understand, but either way for Ford, General Motors is essentially putting it back on the hood, which I think is actually kind of a strategic move for them to keep people interested in their EVs. And also while they have a wide portfolio of electric vehicles, you know, the Hummer, the Blazer, the Equinox, the Lyric, they're not making all that many of them. So I feel like if they didn't do this, that's where you might get some, you know, domestic leaning buyers who just say, oh, wait, that's the price. Now I'm not going to do that. I'll take the regular Equinox. So yeah. I think this could be a pretty savvy play. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a temporary move too, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's just a couple components that they need to, um, source, uh, domestically. Um, and then once they, once they do that, they'll they'll be um yep. eligible for the for the full full incentive from the government um so yeah i think it's just especially as the blazer comes out with with its problems <laughs> um, yeah uh you definitely want to um not turn people off to it immediately um you know you want people to understand that this this is the price you know this is the price that that it's gonna be uh overall once you you know get the tax credit so um i think it makes sense to uh eat that cost for for a little bit until they you know make it fully eligible um man that blazer though i <laughs> I feel really bad about it because you know James came back uh, from the first drive just raving about it. Um, it. It sounds like such a wonderful vehicle. I, I edited his story and it, it was it sounds super compelling. I can't wait to drive it. 
Oh, me um, too. It looks great. It's I agree. I really but, I'm excited. But yeah, the problems they're having with uh, <laughs> you know leading to the stop sale, um, software issues that basically killed the car. Uh, not a good first foot forward for for this vehicle. Um, but the Lyric, I've I've driven. Um, that that car's excellent too, especially mm-hmm. you know uh, as a luxury value, um, such great luxury value, and and to um, be able to get seventy five hundred um, off on it is is pretty impressive. Uh, I've I've been seeing more of those around town. Um, and, and I get excited to see them because it's it's, it's a good car. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've seen a few Blazers, but the lyrics are starting to really, really show up. Uh, there's a guy who goes to my kids' like soccer practice session, and I'm kind of like, "Where'd you get that lyric?" You know, I need to like corner him and find out. Yeah, you know what what's going on there. You know, so now I mean, not that it's uncommon, a, you know, a Cadillac in Metro Detroit. You know, right. come on, but still. <laughs> um, I digress. Um, cool. So that's what's going on there. Let's talk briefly. This kind of piqued my interest because it's this is auto show season. It used to be Detroit Auto Show, North American International Auto Show, right like this weekend or next weekend. Uh, I am sure if many of you are listening to this, even though this is kind of insidery, you're probably pretty familiar with coming to Autoblog and you know other sites for all the news right now. Uh, there was a, a column in the Detroit Free Press about a week ago saying that uh, the CEOs of the Detroit Three or just some executives, there were rumblings that it might shift back to January because originally it moved from its longtime perch in January to the fall. It actually was going to be in June for a minute, but they never actually had that show because of COVID. And then they did do it in September for the last two years. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to put it this way. I think they should move back to January. Uh, I, in the way I would, the way I would make the decision is I would say, what's the best from a consumer standpoint and what's best for the show. Mm-hmm. I would try my hardest to get some sort of press portion, some activations and do it that way. But I wouldn't try to base that on that i think at least not totally because i think the future of auto shows is going to continue to probably diminish from a media perspective i hope i'm wrong we're in the media (laughs) but i think just consumer facing shows um are going to be the ones that have that sort of endurance and longevity so i also think from a practical standpoint in michigan in january there's not a lot to do besides go ice skating and go skiing (laughs) in september there's everything to do so um what do you think uh, well you know we we had the the summer auto show uh this uh, well, last year um yeah. and it was quiet it was it was pretty yeah you know uh ho-hum that you know all the yeah when they were switching to the summer they they touted um there will be all these outdoor events and, and it just didn't really um, pan out the way I thought it would. Um, and, and, you know, most of the stuff was still going on indoors. They had, you know, ride alongs indoors. They had off-road tracks indoors. They had the EV drives indoors. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're just going to do that, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't 
really matter what season it is it's in um i think like like you said it matters uh on what other people are doing um you know the consumers and yeah during the summer there's there's lots of stuff going on january yeah not a whole lot um just the only problem with the show in january is you know it was sometimes difficult to get to due to the the weather um but you know if the show's going on for you know a whole week you can definitely find a time to get down there um i don't know i i i'd like to see it kind of stay in the summer and and have them do more with it you know take advantage of of uh being able to do more outdoor things um but i don't know I, it seems like they're the automakers are just spending less on auto shows um and you know they're they're sort of shrinking um at which point yeah it doesn't matter yeah might as well do it in, in january um you know lots of the 2020 the the new model year cars are 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 coming out um then um and uh yeah you know uh, there was there was a good amount of reveals though um for different vehicles in the summer not necessarily at detroit but yeah um in the summer so i don't know how it would time up with um you know the reveal schedule uh versus launch schedule of vehicles but um yeah i i, I wouldn't mind um i wouldn't mind it being in, in january at all <laughs> unless they're planning on you know doing more with the with the summer one tricky part too is ces which has become yeah I mean, if we look at the preview for this week which, you know, next week we'll talk all about CES. Um, right now we're kind of we're recording this on a Friday morning, which is a little late for us. Usually we do it earlier in the week, but with the holidays, kind of still a shorter week, uh, we push it to Friday. So you get all the latest stuff, but, you know, still not quite CES. Um, but, I mean, again, CES has news out of Honda, um, mm-hmm. Mercedes, like there's already like CES, which is even kind of pared down itself looks like a bigger auto show quote unquote than a lot of auto shows we've seen yeah i mean it used to be more of a tech show and yep. now the cars are tech and it's become more and more of a car show um yeah and yeah there's going to be a lot of stuff there honda's showing uh its future ev portfolio <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh yeah that that could sort of take the wind out of out of uh the detroit auto show sales um if it were in january but again that's going to be more focused on the american manufacturers anyway so yeah cool so salantis did sound like they may be backing out but then we heard maybe they're not totally case by case but just you know real briefly that that news this week uh, i think that would be a blow to a lot of auto shows because of the huge tracks they roll out those indoor and sometimes outdoor off-road tracks it like frankly, even if they don't do a press conference, you kind of want Jeep to have like Mountain Jeep in your convention center. You know, they do a good oh, one sure. in Chicago. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Stellantis has always sort of made a big splash <laughs> at mm-hmm. auto shows. Um, mm-hmm. So it'd be it'd be weird to not have them uh, doing something. You know, 
but yeah, I thought, uh, you know, just the opportunity, especially for consumers to, to get to ride in these vehicles and see their capabilities, um, is, is important, especially for Stellantis. So. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk some cars. Mm -hmm. Uh, I drove the GV60, which we talked about last week, uh, Mm -hmm. really like three weeks ago at this point on the podcast and the Polestar 2. So it was a completely electric holiday break for me. I took some time off, had some good times with the family, did a lot of driving, uh, and both vehicles, um, you know, performed pretty well. I already talked about the GV60 to be pretty simple. I liked it. I drove one that, uh, uh, was pretty nice. Uh, it was the performance version. Um, but the tricky, I guess the new part here, again, I like the interior. I like the exterior. It's not cheap. I think I would go with the EV6 or the Ionic 5 or maybe even the Ionic 6 before this car, but I still like the little crossover thing. Um, but I had to charge it. I went out to, uh, we were taking the family out to Ann Arbor to go to the natural history museum. And it was a lot of fun. And it is, it's a really good museum. Check it out. Um, I needed to charge up this car because the night before we had gone to see some lights also on the other side of town. And I didn't get quite enough range out of it. And that was my frustration because I went to this level, it was a quick charger, level three charge point. And I still only got like 50% of the um, like power that I was looking for. Uh, I think it was cold. I think I did precondition the battery, which you could do, which is nice. And I also have had some challenges with this charge point station. It's never given me like 100% (laughs) most of the time. I think maybe once or twice it has, but so that was frustrating. We ended up not taking the the vehicle because I was like, I don't want to, take this out there and then have to refill, if you will, recharge. Like I wanted to know that I had enough to get there and get back. Even though there's chargers like basically all over Ann Arbor, when I pulled out my phone and was looking, I'm like, well, okay, that one's like two miles away. We're going to have lunch at Zingerman's. Okay. So we're going over here. This is a real pain. And like, I was embracing the car, embracing, I even like charging cars. I think it's fun. Uh Um, get a cup of coffee, you know, have some phone time, listen to the radio. It's not bad. You know, maybe hang out with your kid. A lot of good benefits to charging your vehicle if it's local and accessible. But yeah, man, it was, it was a pain. I was a little surprised. And I will say this, it would have worked had I had like an extra 15 minutes. Like I made yeah. some choices that morning. I decided to take the dog for a long walk in the woods. I got up half an hour later. Like these are things that like, you know, or speak to my lackadaisical approach to the early days of vacation. But it's also like, hey, if you're going to be an EV owner and you don't have an L2 charger in your garage, okay, the dog doesn't get a walk that day. You know, it's just an interesting, I don't know, approach, I thought, you know, interesting way to live with it. Yeah, when we had the EV6 long-termer, yeah, charging in the winter was was interesting. (laughs) It was (laughs) one way to put it. It was so hit or miss. Um, sometimes you'd go to a charger and yeah, it would, it would charge, um, you know, pretty quick. And then sometimes it was just dragging until the very end. Um, the, the battery conditioning, um, feature does help a little bit. Uh, but also, uh, 
uses more energy while while you're uh you know on yeah. your way to your charger um but yeah it does it does make it charge a bit quicker um but i didn't really notice that big of a difference from it uh, yeah me neither it interesting just, go ahead uh just charging in the winter you just don't know what you're gonna get <laughs> well that's a great segue then i went to another level two charger i was just coming down um i had done a pickup at target uh, i got some like some snacks some beer you know it was a really quick thing it was christmas eve actually and i was just kind of wrapping things up before some family stuff pulled into a l2 charger in automation alley i was like okay i know i'm not gonna get much out of this but whatever let's just you know maybe he get like 10 miles take a minute to collect your thoughts before everything else, you know, the holiday madness of stuff. And I did get like, I want to say I got like 10, 15 miles out of it. Wasn't bad. And mm -hmm. then, uh, but the vehicle wouldn't unplug and it drove me crazy. <laughs> it was one of those things where I don't exactly know what happened. I got to pull up my notes here on my phone, try to refresh my memory a little bit, but it was just like, um the vehicle would not unplug it um i did everything i could i tapped the credit card again i that was just the other wrinkle is with charge point you need to use the app for things to work really well yeah i did the card tap didn't work locked and unlocked the car didn't work <laughs> um i've had that happen it was so frustrating and like it's christmas eve like i gotta get out of here and then this dude appears out of nowhere and it's literally like one foggy Christmas Eve. This guy rolls up in a first gen Chevy Volt. I'm just kind of like, what are you doing here? Why are you charging that thing here? What are you doing? And he was a, actually a General Motors engineer who just, like, I think he worked on EVs. And he just yeah. wanted to see if his car would still charge. He's like, it's really old. I don't even know if it'll take a charge anymore. So I just, it's coming out today to do it. So he and I wrestled with this Genesis trying to unplug it. Neither one of us could get it to, you know, resolve, if you will. He yeah. also owned a Rivian, uh, by the way. Um, nice. So, you know, literally, I at this point, I had called my wife to come pick me up. And finally, I just locked it, unlocked it, and the thing disengaged. It was just like as fluky as it, the problem happened, the problem resolved itself. Um, the other thing I was going to do was set the charging to like 50%. And then hope it released once it hit 50 come back and get the thing in like a couple hours it was just a real pain there's even like a couple of like manual release buttons on the genesis and on like the ev6 as well i probably would assume it's on the hyundai version didn't do anything i don't know man it was stressful have you heard anything happen to you like this um yeah okay. it, it's it's been a while but yeah there's definitely been times where it's like why isn't this thing yep. unplugging? Um, you go into menus and like mm -hmm. <laughs> try and figure it out. Uh, it's, yeah, I remember it happened to me at a, I think at an Electrify America charger once. Okay, um, I think that was, I think that was in the EV6. Um, but yeah, just, just wouldn't wouldn't unplug <laughs> it's tricky because if you think of the, the infrastructure there's so many variables and this has dissuaded me from taking some evs as much as i embrace and enjoy the technology but like you know okay so will the charger be open will it be working once it works how fast is the charge going to be 
And then in some rare but not impossible, as we've both laid out, will the, the plug work? Will it not right. go in? Can you, you know, retract it? What's going to happen? There's a lot of variables to EVs, and it just yeah. it speaks to where the infrastructure is. So Yeah. And, and and they're still, you know, they're still fairly new and they're still working out the wrinkles as they try and figure out what feature sets are the best to put in it. Uh, sometimes they're putting in things and, uh, you know, testing them out and maybe they should just keep it simple, stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah I agree. All right. Well, I drove the Polestar 2. I'll touch on this real quick. Really liked it. Didn't have to charge it. I didn't drive as much. This is the second part of my holiday break um so it just i gives you range, plenty of range just there was no reason to actually charge it probably should have at the end because it was down to about 20 percent. i probably should have charged that one more but um it's a sporty little sedan i think it's a definitely a uh consideration for like if you're cross shopping tesla and you're looking for a smaller sedan i had the single motor so it was kind of sporty uh the inside has a lot of sort of, sort of like repurposed materials it's Android everywhere. The driver IP is actually quite good. One of the best I think I've ever driven. Then the right side is basically an Android tablet, which is how you run everything else. Didn't like that so much. It just, it didn't work. It reminded me of the worst of, it did work, but it was a pain. It was sort of like the worst in Android in Volvo tech is how I would sum that up. I had challenges keeping the car from fogging up and the radio working. That was issues, but overall I liked, it was fun to drive. It looks good. I think if you are looking for an EV and you're looking for a car, uh, and they're actually a pretty good value, pretty good price, even on a used one. So uh, I, I really liked it. I would say, you know, Rivian and Polestar, as well as companies like Mercedes, Ford and Volkswagen are your choices if you're cross shopping, say a Tesla. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, you've got Rivian and Polestar, if you're kind of thinking different. And then, of course, the mainstream brands I just listed. In the case of Polestar, it's owned by Volvo. So if you want something different, but you're still like, oh, I don't know if I want to buy a Rivian or a Lucid or something like that. Well, hey, this is kind of the best of both worlds. The only, the one other sort of downgrade I would give it is I was going to a holiday party and I rolled in behind a Tesla Model Y. And I know the guy who owned it because we're going to the same party and he didn't even look at the car, didn't even notice it. And I was kind of <laughs> thinking, this is interesting. I would think an EV owner, especially like a Tesla owner, would at least, oh, hey, you have an EV too. What's, and he knows what I do, but it would at least be like, what do you think? Should this be on my list? Didn't even notice it. So I think in that sense, even though I like the design, it's a little too subtle in some ways, maybe. Maybe they need to make it a little bit flashier. I don't know. But just in a like very small focus group, the car was definitely a Q-ship. So yeah, it, it is it is subtle. I and seemingly by design, you know, they have that very subtle uh badge. They don't you know, yep. put the word polestar on there anywhere. And yeah, the badge is like body color, mm -hmm. um, things like that. Um uh, but uh I think I love, I love the way it looks. Uh, I, I like to sort of fly under the radar, um, but I, yeah. I feel like, yeah, when I was driving them, um, I had people asking me when I, when I pull up, they'd be like, what, what is that? Um, but 
yeah I, it's a really fun car to drive um i i just so well balanced um <laughs> uh it does definitely feel very volvo-ish um mm -hmm. which uh i don't mind at all there's some things i wish uh, it had a little bit of its own identity a little bit more um but uh yeah overall i i very much like the pole star too um yeah i, I it's been a while since i've driven one but man i, I it, it makes me really look forward to the the pole star three when that yes. comes out that's going to be um that's going to be you know a, probably a way better seller too yeah it's a broader segment that's where i think if you're tesla you might start to be a little nervous because this is a both these vehicles really but especially the three coming right you know right at you know uh, the heart of what tesla is doing so mm -hmm. uh tell me what you've been driving i've now been talking a lot tell me about <laughs> the prius prime yeah so i i drove that i was in arizona over the holidays and uh, was driving the new prius prime it was my first time in the updated prius and wow what an improvement yeah. <laughs> um you know it's just it it's more conventional to drive now you know you've got uh, a better placement of of controls and things like that uh, you know, the, the display in front of you is just a lot easier to to use and um uh it looks a lot better um looks a lot better <laughs> yeah it really does uh and um it drives great it feels more refined um and yeah i i really quite enjoyed it um the the prime you know has 220 horsepower um does zero to 60 in in uh six and a half seconds about yeah um so yeah uh definitely doesn't feel uh slow um you know i've always dreaded <laughs> getting in old priuses and 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 just how you know pokey they were uh, but yeah this prius prime was was pretty quick um and uh a little on the small side for uh, a family of four with a car seat um and a stroller and, and packing a week's worth of luggage um we did have to do <laughs> some tetris stuff to yeah to get the the hatch to close um but once we dropped our luggage off at home it was it was great uh really really smooth driving um quiet except for the road noise if you you know the uh, part of interstate 10 had you know lots of uh texture to the road let's say and um all that noise just came came in through the through the tires uh, but other than that, uh, very quiet, very comfortable. Um, you know, some of the sounds like the, the turn signal and things like that um, sound a little more engineered um, and they help give it that sort of refined feel. Um, interesting things like a little sort of pocket for your phone with a charger in it like a little slot that yeah. you put it in sideways um which did not play very well with uh phone cases but take the phone case off and it's actually nice compact secure way to keep your phone out of the way um as opposed to like 
the Toyota Sienna where you put your phone on the on the wireless charger and it slides across your dash every time you make a turn. Yeah, um, that's yeah, a really good point. I can visually think of both of those Toyota experiences. My phone would go always flying out of the Sienna. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, just uh, really economical. Um, even once you've depleted the, you know, 40 miles of, of range uh, of electric range, um, you know, I would doing a lot of highway driving, um, 75 mile per hour, uh, speed limit, um, still getting, you know, over 40 miles per gallon, um, easily. So that was, that was nice. Um, but yeah, it just, it just looks so much better. That was, that was a big problem for me with the old Prius. I just thought it was so ugly, uh, inside and out. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah and this one is not um and there's some really yeah. like interesting details too um the the prius prime badge there's like a little circle on the back that's sort of this interesting iridescent uh hodgepodge of colors um it's really really cool and uh yeah you open up the hatch and then on the inside uh, on the side, it says Hybrid Reborn. And there's just little details like that throughout the car that are kind of neat, too. But, um, but yeah, it, definitely see why this one uh, could win Car of the Year. Yeah, it's definitely the set it and forget it version. You don't have to worry about charging, even though you can if you'd like. Mm -hmm. I think if I owned a Prime, I would probably pop for a level two just to try to take full advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And most of the utility companies offer... Well, some do some pretty good incentives. If you want to go ahead and, you know, get like a level two charger, you can offset that. Yeah, for sure. Although, you know, with just, you know, 40, 40 miles, well, yeah. 39 or 44 miles, depending on, on the trim, um, that, that fills up pretty quickly on a yeah. level one too. So, um, you don't, you don't definitely don't feel uh beholden to get a level two charger if you if you get one you'll still um uh take pretty good advantage i think uh on a regular 110 outlet it'll, it takes 11 hours to fully recharge but if, yeah, that's if you not just, bad if you just plug it in when you're home like if you're only going <laughs> you know if you're going less than than 40 miles a day you know you're, you're not going to even have to fully recharge it every time you plug it in. It's true. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, you set it and forget it and you're, you're good to go overnight, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you as far as just how usable it is for your main family car. It's probably not going to work, but if you have like one large vehicle and then this is sort of your commuter car, as we used to call them, yeah. it's above well above that. Cause you can like on a weekend and we did this, put stuff in that the hatch is pretty big you know mm -hmm. you get a lot of stuff in there back seats a little tight even with one car seat two yeah. that'd be tight <laughs> but i mean it's still doable and if you got a good deal and it's maybe what like you know one person is driving during the week and then you go to the the kia ev9 or the chevy suburban or the toyota sienna on the weekend mm -hmm. you know you're 
I think in some ways that's smart buying because I don't think you really need two, three row SUVs, no matter right. you know how many <laughs> kids you have and dogs and stuff. But cool. All right. So also tell me about the GLS 63, the ZAMG version. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quite, quite different. Than... <laughs> yeah. Say, we, we need to talk about something with a huge engine and a lot of, you know, stuff on it. Um, you know, I, I like it. <laughs> yeah. What's not to like, it, right? It's, uh, you're not getting great fuel economy with this, you know, 14 city, 18 highway, but, uh, gosh, it is, it's big. It's very luxurious. Um, and it's very comfortable and it's darn quick too. Um, you know, you get the bi turbocharged, uh, four liter V eight with the, um, you know, the, the mild hybrid, um, it's it's really really fun to <laughs> to drive it makes nice sounds um it, it's not too loud inside the, the cabin um obviously you know mercedes does a good job of uh you know all, all the german luxury brands sometimes they do a too good of a job of of keeping the the sound out of the cabin but um the sound you do get uh you know you put it in, in sport plus mode and you get some nice uh little pops and crackles from, from the exhaust. Um, you know, you get, uh, massaging seats. Um, you can get, you know, it heated, uh, armrests. This one had heated armrests in the first and second rows. Um, decent, uh, amount of, of cargo volume, even with the, the third row up. Um, I think it said like 17 uh, cubes behind the third row, which, um, you know, in, in this with the sort of tall, almost like pretty straight up and you don't have uh, a super raked um, tailgate window uh, closing in on the headroom of your luggage uh, area. You can fit a lot of stuff back there. Um, yeah. And um you can get the manufacturer uh, colors. This, this was sort of a uh, flat gray that looked pretty neat. It had the night package, so um, glossy black, uh, front splitter, you know, accents and window surrounds, um, black uh, exhaust tips. Uh, so it looked it looked really cool too. Um, but yeah, it just you know you get the the dual. Uh, displays that you can control by touch or by voice or by using the touch pad as well um, so uh, yeah and the I, I like the mbox um, mm -hmm. system and and then in this you've got all sorts of different uh, uh, things you can control all, there's almost like too many controls on the, on the steering wheel, especially yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> you've got the little dials that, uh, one controls the, the drive mode, the other controls different things. You, you toggle through the different things that'll control like suspension, exhaust, vehicle ride height, uh, uh traction control <laughs> all, yeah. all through this one little, uh, dial with two little toggles on it. Um, and then you've got like the touch sensitive, uh, controls on the steering wheel. There's a lot going on on that steering wheel. Um, 
but you know actually going through the menus and using the voice control uh works really well and, and going through the menus you know you get they have like the tr track timers and, and things like that lap timers um so yeah very very good uh blending of luxury and sportiness um how are yes. your lap times <laughs> uh, i did i didn't uh take it to a track <laughs> but i imagine yeah. they'd they'd be pretty good um yeah because it, it actually handles pretty well um in the corners too it, it, it it's it feels really stable um yeah you can you can hustle it along and it'll it'll keep up with you that's interesting i i've driven land rover and jaguar suvs on uh tracks and it's not something i would do normally but um that they have their benefits you know like i don't know if i owned a vehicle that cost that much but i'd be like hmm, i think i'll take it to monticello yeah. um but that was the circumstance i was in so i was like hey let's do it and i, I haven't driven the gls but large expensive fast suvs can be pretty good on the track so yeah definitely i mean it's definitely uh meant to be um maybe not used on a track i well, I, I they have the track app but mm -hmm. um it's definitely meant to be uh driven with gusto um yeah and and uh meant to perform um not just in speed but also uh, pretty decent handling for something so big and heavy. Yeah, all right. Should we spend some money then, I guess? Yeah. This one comes from Reddit's Our Cars. If you'd like to get into the mailbag or spend my money, of course, that's podcast at autoblog.com. We would love to spend your money. So this, uh, the writer comes to us from South Arizona, where you were recently. Price range is $1,000 to $6,000. Looking to buy, looking for something used. It's a sedan. Must-haves are reliability and longevity. Desired transmission is automatic, and it will be used as a daily driver. The writer has already considered a Dodge Charger. Uh, don't need a warranty, and this is not the first vehicle. It can do minor work on the car. Um, so um, basically looking for something to be a daily driver. Want to use this to keep mileage and maintenance off my truck. and have a second car um, in case one needs to you know, go to the mechanic. Always had a fondness for Crown Victorias and looking for something that would basically just be a good daily, um, you know, as they lay out, you know, relatively cheap. Um, so my options are I kind of riffed on the charger. I have a couple here. I assume this isn't going to be a car they're going to keep forever. I, I do read the longevity line, but I'm just choosing not to acknowledge <laughs> that. So I'm going to go with, I have two. I have a Mercury Marauder, which I just, Jeremy Korsniewski, our senior consumer editor, and I were just talking about that in the Slack conversation this week, and I haven't been able to get that car out of my head. I just think that 20-something-year-old muscle, it's unique. I mean, the writer mentioned the Crown Victoria. Why don't you take one with, you know, that Cobra SVT V8? Uh, from 20 years ago with the chrome exhausts hell yeah i that's what i would do now price wise it's going to be tough you can get i found one online that was under the six thousand dollar like ceiling and it had 200 uh, how many miles Two hundred twenty thousand miles so i don't know not this isn't super logical i'll i'll give you that you can if you go a little bit up you can get one like 7,000, 8,000 with a few fewer miles. And that's a little, 
a little more reasonable. Staying in this vein, I also like the 06 Impala SS, <laughs> small block V8. Again, similar prices, but you can find a few of them more under in like the four to five grand range. Um, all that being said, if you want a reliable, you know, sedan with longevity, find like a 15 year old Honda Civic. You're going to get fewer miles. You're going to be in that price range. And that's a much smarter play than anything I just weighed out here. <laughs> so what do you think, John? Um, gosh, uh, I love the idea of a Crown Vic. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I really do. Uh, yeah, just, they're just, you know, such characterful cars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. because of you know, their use case, you know, police cars, taxis. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they can take a beating and, and, and keep going. Um, you can get the Taurus in that price range. Um, you know, if you, if you, still want to stick with with ford or even um i saw a couple lincoln uh mkz's um but like you said uh with uh with um reliability something like yeah a honda i would love to find uh an acura tl in that price range i've seen oh that's a good move yeah a, a couple um uh not a lot and uh but if you can find one that that is a, a a great car um the tl is super super fun um i think it's got a lot of character um i i like the design um if you can find one with a manual transmission <laughs> if you can find you're not, you're not going to find a super handling all-wheel drive with a manual transmission for that price point but if you could that would be the dream but um yeah. any tl will will service you well i remember that car in the press fleet um you know, with the manual it was great too oh, it was really so good i liked it it was a good <laughs> good evidence of sort of early well i guess it was late 2000s styling that probably doesn't hold up all that well. <clears throat> it very much looks like 2008, 2009, 2010, but I still thought it looked good for the time. So I still uh, think it looks good. Yeah. You can also get a Mercury Grand Marquis. Uh, this is a more logical thing in great condition with only 150,000 miles on it for $3,900 in Belleville, New Jersey. So I guess that's, you know, if you still want to do Crown Vic, um, it might be a little more logical than some of the other suggestions I raised. My brother had an 06 Impala SS, small block V8. That was a fun car to drive. So that's why sometimes when I think of these sedans, that's where yeah. I, I I tend to go down that path. Yeah, I saw a lot of Impalas in that price range. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a little more reasonable, I guess, if you will. Maybe more of them survive than, because there's a little bit of a newer generation of things than mm -hmm. the others. But yeah, so we had a good long show this week. Uh, we're coming up right on the hour mark. We could close things out with any winter drink recommendations as you maybe settle in by the fire for, you know, January and February, or you come in from, I don't know, an energetic run or skiing. Mm -hmm. What would you have to warm up? Um, well, just being in Arizona, there's a superstition meadery. Okay. Really good really good meads um but mead in general um okay you know it's it's a little bit different than you know the, your usual beer um 
maybe not the uh, rich, full-bodied thing, but you know, a little, little bit on the sweeter side. Um, and and uh, so sometimes, you know, some of them are, are you know pretty high alcohol content, so it'll warm you up. It feels feels a little spicy going down. Okay. Um, All right. But yeah, I, I've I've been enjoying some mead lately. Um, okay. Yeah. Interesting. There's, there's some there's some great meaderies. Um, meaderies. Okay. In, in in Michigan too, but um, yeah, I've the one I've had the most recently is uh, Superstition Meadery from okay. Arizona. Sounds good. I'll have to check that out. I've been actually kind of drying out a little bit after whatever the opposite of dry January is. That's what I did in December. It was like every <laughs> night was you know beer with a hockey game, cocktail with the family, red yeah. wine bottles. Um, I, you know, I don't know. This is the kind of time of year I like to also go heavier. Nice Guinness is good, especially if you shovel snow, which we haven't really had any. Um, I've been enjoying drinking. I think I mentioned this on the last show of the year, Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light. Good hockey beer. Just mm -hmm. I like, you know, the Red Wings right now either score five goals or give up five goals or both. <laughs> so it's kind of insane watching them. You might want to do it with a beer. It's kind of where I've been landing. It's just those sort of both ends of the spectrum. And then... I've actually, this is going to sound totally random. The fizzy water from Target, just the Good and Gather brand, is really oh. good. And it's just like, it's like a LaCroix. It's non-alcoholic. But just sometimes at, you know, early in this month when I've been trying to make some less boozy decisions and, you know, while I'm reading or watching sports, that's been the go-to. And those are surprisingly good. I can't believe I'm recommending these on a segment. <laughs> But I'll they taste, those. they're pretty good. I went with the watermelon lime and it was, or lemon. I don't know. It was good. I'm a big fan of soda water. I've got a soda stream and um, mm, that's occasionally good. I'll add my own flavors. I usually I'll add just like a little bit of uh, juice to it. A little bit of splash of orange juice or, or a few drops of lime juice in there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I'm always excited to try new uh, types of, uh, you know, branded uh, soda water. So I'll have to check that out next time I target. I like a gin and tonic as much as the next guy, but sometimes just some like seltzer water and some lemon or lime, mm -hmm. a bit of ice. You know, it's just a good way to kind of calm yourself, if you will, on a, you know, summer or winter evening. So, all right. That's all the time we have this week. Um, send us your spend my monies podcast at autoblog.com. If you like the show please give us good reviews on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get this show be safe out there and we'll see you next week <laughs>